One of my greatest fears is that one Sunday morning, I'm going to be sitting right there, and I'm going to be belting out the music, belting out the singing, and I'm going to have my mic on. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm not joking. In fact, if you stared at me during the service, um, you might see me fidgeting quite often back here. What am I doing? I'm making sure it's off. (laughs) I'd probably check it 25 times a service because one of my greatest fears, I mean, can you imagine if you heard my voice louder than this great praise team? That would be a problem. That would be, that'd be a problem. <laughs> this is not the audience participation time, Ray Mashinsky. There are people in this world with greater fears than that. There are people in this world that, that f- worry, struggle, and have fears every day. Things like, I'm scared I may not eat today again. Scared that uh, I may be in captivity one more day or one more week. There's people that live with the fear today that they may be forced to do things physically, even sexually, against their will today. And it happens throughout our world. There are people living in real fear. The purpose of celebration of hope in the next four weeks is to ask the question, what do we do about it? How do we step in? How do we, how do we help resolve those fears that many people live in? And so as I was uh, starting to prepare a celebration of hope, and this was a few months back, I began to study a passage, and I started to look at this passage, and I'm going to admit, I was struggling a little bit. I wasn't exactly sure which way to go. I was reading Luke chapter 15. So if you want to open up, if you have your Bible, take a look at Luke chapter 15. I'm not going to read each verse to you. I'm going to overview the story so you can read along on your own uh, as I'm working through this. But as I was reading Luke chapter 15, uh, some of you know the stories from this chapter from Jesus, Jesus's words. And I'm reading these stories and I'm processing and trying to decide which of these three stories am I going to speak on the first week of Celebration of Hope. So in Luke 15, little overview, there's this story about a guy who has a hundred sheep, right? He's got a hundred sheep. He's a shepherd. And you know what happens. One of the sheep wanders off and the shepherd gets very concerned. And, and so the Bible tells us he leaves the 99 And he goes and he looks for the one. Doesn't sound very logical now, does it? But that's what he did. He leaves 99. He goes looking for this one sheep who's wandered off somewhere. I mean, we we think sometimes as parents, you know, if we go out uh, to the mall with our kids, uh, you know, if we come back with most of them, that's pretty good. (laughs) That's pretty good. He left the 99 and he's looking for the one, right? And when he finds the one, he doesn't beat the sheep when he finds it. No, He lifts that sheep up joyfully, the text tells us, carries it back to the fold, and then he calls his shepherd friends together, and they say, well, let's have a party. Let's have a celebration because the lost sheep is now found. I don't know what sheep are worth. I don't really know anything about the whole sheeping world, Um, but I would think 199, we don't get that concerned if we go from 100 to 99. But they threw this great celebration. Next story in that passage in Luke 15, it's interesting here. I mean, the math jumps down from 100 now to 10. And this woman, we're told, has 10 coins. Now, we don't know a whole lot about this woman, really nothing. Uh, but quite possibly, this could, this could represent her entire estate. This could be everything she's uh, worth financially, these 10. She may even be a widow, and she may have not, not have much value culturally at the time, but she has these 10 coins. We don't think in terms of coins too much in, in this day and age. We might have quarters. 
Um, if, you know, every once in a while we might get a, one of the, you know, coins that are, are worth a dollar, but we don't think in coins, but it would have been tremendous value coins of the day. That would have been what they used. And so for her, this was obviously very, very significant. And we're, we're told in the story that she misplaces one of the coins. Ever misplace something in your house? Ever misplace something the size of a coin? <laughs> I mean, it's like, forget about it, right? Um, for most of you, if you're like me, when you move your couch, it jingles, right? Because of the stuff that's fallen down in, between the cushions in your couch. So she's looking. She turns the house upside down, searching for the coin. And finally, guess what? She finds the coin. And she's so overjoyed about this that she calls her friends and neighbors together. And they say, we're going to have a party because I was missing a coin and I found the coin. And so they have this celebration and this party. Third story in Luke 15, there is this father, and we're told right away he has two sons. It's kind of like this teaser lead-in. It makes you want to say right away, oh, what happened to the boys? What did the boys do? Because it's always boys, right? It's always the boys that, that do stuff, huh? And so uh, we learn in this story that the one son, the older son, he stays at home. He's a faithful son. You would read the story and think, wow, good boy here. And we find the younger son here says to his dad, hey, divide up the inheritance early. I know you're not dead yet, but I'd like to go ahead and get what's coming to me. Divide it up and I'm, I'm going to take it. The father, for whatever set of reasons, goes ahead and does this and, and breaks up the inheritance early and gives this, the younger son his inheritance. And the son goes off and we learn that the son blows the inheritance, just blows the whole thing out with kind of riotous living and parting it up and whatever else he was involved in and did. And finally, he comes to his senses at some point when he's broke and he's basically eating pig slop is what the Bible tells us. He finally comes to his senses and says, it's, it's time to come home. And he is expecting the worst, expecting the worst. I mean, wouldn't you? As he goes home, he thought, I'm going to have to admit to my father that I blew all that money. And then I'm going to have to tell my father how I blew all that money. Probably the second question being much worse than the first. Maybe I ought to just hide out in the guest quarters or even the servants quarters somewhere and kind of sneak around. He's imagining the worst and rightfully so. But before he actually reaches the property line, the passage tells us that the father is searching the horizon. He's searching the horizon and he runs to the son, embraces the son, and with great joy receives the son back. The son starts to apologize and even starts to set up, hey, uh, a little pack. I'll, I'll be this now to you if you'll let me return. And the father says, Shh, no, hush, no. You don't understand. You're my son and you're home. And so this father is of great joy. And guess what? Big celebration. Big party happens. In fact, we're told that they, they kill the fattened calf, the best one, and they throw a big party here because what, that which is lost has now been found. And so I'm reading these three stories in preparation for Celebration of Hope, thinking of which one I would start the series off on. Am I going to talk about the, you know, the lost sheep the first week or this coin or maybe the wayward son? All three are great stories about uh, something being lost. And then when I was, was reading it, I, I got one of these whispers you hear every once in a while. You know these whispers from God when God just kind of makes an impression on you as you're reading through something? And as I was reading this, I mean, what I heard God saying is, well, why do you pick a story? 
why don't you look a little deeper and ask the question, why do these stories show up together in this passage? Why are they packaged together? What's Jesus teaching as he shares these three stories together? And so I started to look kind of afresh at the stories. I started to ask, is there any common denominators to all this? And I I thought, you know, I really had never asked myself this question of this passage. And so I started to, to look at it. And so for the remainder of our time, I want to just tell you kind of the results of how these stories fit together and how it pertains to us today. You know, in each of these stories, something of value winds up missing. That may be pretty obvious. You might go, okay, duh, Tom, I, you, know, you don't need to be a big biblical scholar to figure that one out, right? Something of, valuable, of value goes missing. This is pretty significant. A missing sheep, a missing coin, and then a wayward son. Yeah, and uh, something of value is missing. But, you know, it's even deeper than that. This may even be obvious as well, but that which is missing matters. It matters to the person that's lost it. I mean, did you catch that in there? We lose things a lot, right? And often we don't even look for them because they don't matter, But it's clear in this story, as Jesus is telling this story, the thing that is lost matters. It is important. It is of great value to them. We find it in all three stories. The the lost sheep matters to the shepherd, though he has 100 and still 99. It matters. The lost coin matters to the woman. She still has 90%, but it matters. And we learn that the lost son matters to the father. He's the disobedient son. The good son is still at home. But that wayward son matters to the father. So when I'm working through this, I'm writing down notes in my office, and I'm thinking, well, this is pretty cool. These are pretty good insights. But what else? What else is in there? Well, in each of the stories, the thing that's lost matters enough for a search to happen. It's significant. Don't overlook that. Each of the things, it matters so much that the person that lost it is willing to search for that, willing to look. I mean, think about uh, for us, uh, have you ever really been a part of a search? Have you ever looked for something? You know, been part of, you know, you lost and you're looking around your house trying to find it. I mean, chances are the length of the search is dictated by the significance of the item lost, right? The length of the search is always dictated by the significance of of what you've lost. I mean, how long do you search for mismatched socks before you'll just wear a mismatched pair? <laughs> how long? You know, not, not too long usually, especially if they're pretty close, right? I mean, for me, the, you know, the answer to that question is not long. Most Sundays. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, if I can't find, personally, if I can't find a comb, okay, okay. <laughs> we'll just move on. Life will go just fine that day. But if the items of a great value to us, let's say a wedding ring, a certain photograph, um, car keys, men, the TV remote control. I mean, the search goes on at that point because the remote control has to be found. We cannot continue the day without it. More seriously, though, I mean, can you imagine the level of search if your child went missing? If you couldn't find your child, the level of search, the panic that you would feel. I mean, can you think about the endless hours you would spend physically searching the streets, 
searching the city, searching in places that you had never been, the photographs that you would distribute around and asking the question over and over to people, have you seen this child? Have you seen this child? The pleas you would have for help to come and to be with me. I could picture one of those photographs probably being smeared with your tears. The search would be intense. And we would be out there daily, passionately searching. Why? Because that which is lost is of tremendous value. That's what we learn in this story. In all three stories, a search has to happen. Are you catching the importance of the search? The importance of what Jesus is trying to share here. Leave the 99. Search for the one. Receive the lost and wayward son. So something of value is missing in the stories. Uh, that which is lost matters. It matters so much that a, a search is, is of significance and a search happens. What else? I mean, really, what else could there be in there? That's pretty intense up, now, uh, up till now. Here's a thing that's still in there. Maybe you've seen this and picked this up on your own sometime. Retrievals bring rejoicing. You notice that? Retrievals bring rejoicing. When you find something, there is incredible joy when you find it. For me, if I do find that lost remote, there is a moment of me going, yes, remote, we're back on. You know, there's excitement when something is found. In all three stories, that which is lost, when it's found, there is a party, there's a celebration. They invite friends, families to come and to join in with what has just happened. So when I'm putting this together and I'm asking the questions come to mind, and here's the question that hit me. So what? (laughs) So what? What does it matter? What does it matter that these neat things all kind of fit together, that we pulled out a few of these these neat four things that that we find in the story here? And did you know um, on the side that God doesn't mind you asking the so what question? He doesn't mind it at all. In fact, he encourages you to ask the so what question when you read scripture. Why? Because he has an answer for us. He has an answer for us. Why does it matter that the Bible says that I should love my wife the way that Christ loves the church? Because guess what? You'll learn that, that marriage is miserable if you don't. It's, just, it's not enjoyable if we don't love our wife that way. Why? Because God has designed a way that's best for us. Why does it matter that the Bible talks about honoring God with my finances? Because otherwise I find that I become a slave to money or become a slave to debt if I don't honor God with my finances. So the Bible teaches me these things. Why does Jesus tell a story, three stories in this passage like this? Well, as I'm asking the so what question, it took me back to the beginning of the chapter where we get the whole context. Take a look at it in Luke chapter 15, 1 and 2. It's on the screen for you. This is the very beginning of the story before Jesus shares the three. He says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered together around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. This gives the context of the three stories Jesus just said. It gives meaning to the three stories. You can use the three stories in lots of different teaching ways, and people use them all the time. But this gives context to what's actually being told in this passage and teaching us. And, it, and you know, I'll tell you, I never saw it this way before. It never quite hit me until I read the context passage this way. Why does Jesus tell these stories to begin with? It's because the Pharisees, these religious leaders that he's talking to or talking to him or that are listening, they've cornered Jesus. And the text says they were muttering against him. They were complaining at what was going on. They weren't happy 
with what was happening. Why? Because Jesus was spending time, in their view, with the riffraff of society. Jesus was spending time with the wrong kind of people. And they didn't appreciate it. They didn't like it. He's spending too much time with people who drank too much and people that cheated. Spending time with people that said the wrong things, used the wrong words. He's spending time with people that are of the wrong profession. He's spending time with people who are in immoral relationships. Or he's spending time with people in their eyes who simply were not of the right nationality. This is the kind of people Jesus was spending times with. And the religious leaders, they didn't appreciate it at all. They had a whole list of people that they were not comfortable with Jesus spending time with. And so they're voicing this and they're complaining about this. They wanted those kind of people kind of isolated or voted off the island or out of the picture. They certainly didn't want, didn't want those people to be part of this Jesus character. And they hadn't quite drawn the conclusion on Jesus as of now. They just knew they weren't liking what they were seeing. So what they're saying is, really, people like us matter. That's what the Pharisees are saying. People like us matter. People like that, they don't matter. They don't matter. So why are you spending time with them, Jesus? If we matter and they won't, they don't, why would you be spending time with them? So instead of answering directly, Jesus, he just uses these stories of a lost sheep, of a coin, and of a wayward son. He shares these stories, and that's his answer. You can start to see the context that Jesus is putting this stuff in. What Jesus is doing here, Jesus is saying to these Pharisees in this creative way, he's saying, what you guys don't get with all your learning, with all your scripture knowledge, with all your, your biblical degrees, what you don't get is that everyone, everyone matters to God. That's what Jesus is telling these folks, these religious leaders. Everyone matters to God. All people matter to the Father. Those people that you want to send off, that you want to get out of here, they matter. They matter to God. They matter like the lost sheep mattered to the shepherd, like the lost coin mattered to the woman, and like the son, the wayward son, mattered to the father. All people mattered. And what Jesus is saying is, look, if the scales would fall off your eyes, you'd be able to see right now. You'd be able to see that these people who have admittedly drawn away from God, been far away from God, that God is searching for them right now. He's searching for them. He spends his time doing this. And he's working behind the scene to draw them to his side because he loves every single one of them. And they matter significantly to him. And what you can't possibly understand what Jesus is saying is that the wayward person, the immoral guy, the screwed up woman, the child that's, that's run away, that these, these are ones that if they would answer the call of the seeker, if they would answer the call of the father who is looking for them, there would be incredible celebration, an epic celebration in heaven from one side to the other, just like in the stories that Jesus said. And so when we put this all, all these things together, I mean, to me, it was the coolest thing I could imagine as I was connecting with these stories and understanding what he was saying. Can you understand the immensity of the love of the Father? That's what Jesus is saying here, the immensity. Jesus didn't say, look, a 99 sheep got out. And so the, the shepherd had an obligation. He had to get the 99 back in. I mean, they're running loose everywhere, right? And he said, one, just one. You still got 99. 
You've got nine coins remaining. Nine coins. You've got a good son at home, an obedient son at home. And you've got a belligerent son out there. You know, take care of the good one. Focus on the good one here. Jesus saying, no, that's not how it works here. And so when we start connecting the dots, I would ask a question of myself. Is it possible that I matter? Is it possible that I matter to the Father? Absolutely. And the question for you, is it possible that you matter to the Father? Is it possible that you matter to the degree here? Absolutely. And you may be living a life today where your, your thought in your head is, I don't really matter. I'm a mid-level employee at a mid-level company. I don't really matter. My, my marriage is just kind of average, the same as anyone else. I don't really matter. My kids like me, but they don't really, you know, look up to me the way I'd hoped. I don't really matter. And God says, no, it's not true. Not true at all. You matter. Everyone matters. In fact, I believe today that if you were to grasp on on how much you matter to the Father, and you would understand the immensity of the love God has for you in that, that today, today would be the day where you would say, I'm ready to surrender before Him. I'm ready to follow him. I'm ready to let him be the Lord of my life. I'm ready to not be lost anymore, wandering anymore, wayward anymore. I'm ready to be found. I'm ready to be home. You know, this morning, uh, that may be for you the dots that you need to connect. Just saying to yourself, I matter. I matter greatly. And that God has much more life for me to live if I just surrender before him. And you can do that this morning. And we'll talk about that later in our prayer. And more, as we're connecting the dots, uh, the question came to mind, well, does Jesus want us to see, does God want us to see other people this same way? Question of course, the answer, of course, is absolutely. Why? Because people matter to God. People matter to him. And if they matter to him as Christians, they matter to us. Every single one of them matter to us just the same. You've never locked eyes with anyone who has skin that doesn't matter to God. They matter significantly. And so here at Wendover Hills, I mean, we've developed a pretty good culture. The culture is kind of come. Come as you are, just like you are. Come be a part of our family. You know, come open your life. Share what's going on in your life with us, and we'll share what's going on in our life with you. And together, we'll open up God's Word, and we'll learn how to live this life together. That's been our culture here. And for many of you, your testimony of how you showed up here has been exactly like that. I felt like I was received in and, and it was a caring. I felt like it was family right away. And then I started learning about God and I started learning about God's word and what he's telling me. And I, before I knew it, I was deeper in my Christian walk. And that's been the culture here. You know, when I was coaching baseball, I used to use a stat. It's a little known stat. It's called runs created. And uh, basically it looks like this. You take all the stats, everything a guy did on the field. Every time he swung the bat and every, everything he did, and you, you take this complicated equation down, and basically you figure out how many runs did that person help create over the course of the season? How many runs were they responsible for over the course of the season? And then I would add up all of our runs, how many runs did we score, and I'd add up the opponent's run. And most season we had scored more runs than our opponents, all right? And I'd take the difference of the more runs and the less runs. I'd take the difference. Sometimes it was like seven sometimes much greater, and I would go to the guys who didn't play that much, maybe just had very limited roles actually on the field, and I would take their runs created stats, 
add them together, and I would put them next to that number. And it was amazing how often their number was greater than the difference. What I wanted to communicate to them is, look, I know you don't play, you don't start. And every once in a while you get in a game, but look at your stats. Look at the runs you created. If you hadn't created that, we would have scored less than our opponents. And as you know, scoring less than your opponents usually means you didn't win too many games. Now, I was kind of thinking about using this equation on our our church softball team. Um, But I, uh, I I started to do the math of our opponent's scores and our scores and um i couldn't find a calculator so i just i just kind of gave up and i said you know it probably wouldn't work it's the same illustration so i just back back up we need your support could you come out and just cheer us on i mean could could we at least walk away one night win or lose and say but boy we had a good crowd cheering tonight we won in that category um that would be a, that'd be helpful friday seven thirty, huh come on out so i know you got nothing to do come out Jesus is really saying here, Jesus is telling, look, everyone matters. Everyone matters out there. It is so easy for us to drive by somebody who's holding a sign at a street corner saying they're homeless and they need some money for food. It's so easy to go by that person and say they don't matter. They don't matter all that much. And even spend a little bit of time creating a background story, which may or may not be true, on that person and why I shouldn't engage in that person's life. And Jesus, in these three stories, he's debunking all of that. And he's saying, look, they all matter. Everyone, everyone matters out there. And so for us at, at Wendover Hills, if, if it matters to God, it matters to us. And so these people matter. So I want to share with you as we get into this uh, celebration of hope and what it's going to look like over the next three weeks. I, I want to tell you a little bit. Uh, my background, I grew up zero to 18. I grew up in complete white suburbia, middle class white suburbia. Um, it was nice. I mean, we didn't have everything, but we, we never really wanted either. We had what we needed. When I was 18, I moved to, uh, to East LA and it was a different, a different atmosphere, a different culture, a different place where I lived. I lived there for five years. When I was in East LA, though, I started to see things different. I started to experience things I hadn't experienced up till now. I started to draw conclusions, too. I started to see the effects of social economic prejudice. I started to see how in poor, rundown uh, areas that there wasn't as much. There wasn't as much offered. I went to the same schools that were funded by the same state money that these schools were were funded by, but the opportunities in East L.A. were far, far less than anything I had in junior high and high school. Community sports almost didn't exist, and the list goes on. This type of socioeconomic prejudice that I saw over the course of my four years. In college, I started to go on mission trips to over the border in Mexico, and And I started to learn for the first time that the rest of the world doesn't live like us. Did you know that? They don't necessarily live like us. And I started to go, and there was tens of thousands of homes. They're made of scrap wood and cardboard, and there's no foundation in the home at all in some of the places that we would go and and we would serve. They're community outhouses. And the thing that got me is I learned that many of these large communities, they were sectioned off from any police and fire uh, privilege as well. And so they were pretty much left to fend for themselves if something, something bad happened, something wrong 
happen in those communities. Three years ago, when I was living in Chicago, I read a sex trafficking article in a, a newspaper, and I, I read addresses that weren't five miles away from where I lived. Five miles, and my eyes were opened that this was going on everywhere. And the lasting impression in that article, though, came from a line in the article that said, it's easier for the police to break up drug trafficking outfit than a human trafficking one. I don't even know what the details are that make that that true. But I went away thinking, man, it's that hard. And we're talking about human trafficking here. These are three examples of someone somewhere who said those people don't matter. They don't matter. Because you can't do that if people matter. Can we look for a minute at God's word? Just a, four passages that I think will be impactful for us in this Celebration of Hope series. Psalm 82, verse 3. Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. The oppressed. Important word for us to hear. Isaiah 1.17, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Can you sense the action that's, that's pushed on us by that passage? Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery for the, of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And finally, Romans 12, verse 15 and 16. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Can you sense the humility of that passage as he puts it in there? So this morning, I want to I introduce one thing to you, and then I want to share with you the action plan over the next three weeks. The first thing I'd like to introduce to you is a thing we're calling Justice and Compassion Ministry. Justice and Compassion Ministry is basically focused on the things that we just talked about in this passage. The things of everyone mattering and how we as a church can rise up and be a part of making sure everyone indeed matters. Whether it's locally or across the nation or internationally, uh, how we can be a part of it as a church. This Justice and Compassion will work out, uh, number one, as a culture as we define ourselves by going outside of ourselves and outside of these doors and caring for people. But it also incorporate certain programs, events, and those type of things that will help us as well to bring justice and compassion. Why the words justice and compassion? Well, as, as compassion is a word we use as Christians quite often, how we care for people and love one another. Justice, though, is us standing up and saying, this is wrong. And we won't tolerate it to continue being wrong. We're going to step in and take action to help these things not be wrong any longer. That's justice. And so these two things work together in this. You may ask, well, how does this work, justice, compassion? How will this go down? We're inviting you, anyone who's this morning is saying, you know, justice, compassion, that's the core of my heart. That's what that drives me. That's significant to me. We're inviting you to join the justice and compassion team to join a team that that really spends their time focusing and helping us as a church stay focused on this area. 
And so this morning, the card that's right in front of you in the little pockets, it's our communication card. You can just put your name on that card and on the back you can write. Justice and Compassion Team or J&C Team, if, if, if you don't want to write that much, that's all right. Just uh, some way communicate to us and we will let you know uh, when we're going to draw together and start talking about that. And you can be been praying now, how would the Lord want justice and compassion to work out here in our church. It's easy for us to say, we're, we're a church of 140 people. We can't do that much. The churches of 1,000, 6,000, 20,000, they can really do it. Not so. Never believe a lie. There's much that the Lord could have us do right here. Secondly, let me talk about the Celebration of Hope action plan. Here's our goal in the next three weeks. Our goal is to kickstart us into a form of action that would hopefully lead to continual action on your own and through justice and compassion here that it would become a lifestyle, these type of actions. Next Sunday, we're going to be talking about world hunger and specifically talking about clean drinking water. Leading out of that, as we come out of that morning, we'll be spending a week in a food solidarity challenge. Basically, we'll be trying to eat like 70% of the world eats. It's a, it's a rice and beans challenge for the week. We'll talk in details next week. And I know the first thought that comes to your head, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. So it's not going to happen. So... Um, but it's how we, we step in and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have empathy on what they deal with. Sympathy is when I say, Mo, I really feel sorry about that. That, was, that commercial I just saw on TV, I really feel bad about that. Empathy is when I do it too, when I step up and really feel what they're feeling. And we'll talk more about that next week. Two weeks from now, we're going to talk about human trafficking. I spent some time talking with the, the High Point Office of North Carolina hum, Stop Human Trafficking. And you, you may not be surprised to know that in the, in the triad, it exists. They deal with it even right here on some levels. And so we're going to talk about that that week. We'll also introduce our Saturday of service, which happens on April 28th. Uh, on April 28th, we want to go out and we just want to serve our community in all kinds of ways. Last year, we did it in one way in our building right here. This year, we'd like to not do it in our building, not do it on our property. We'd like to do it in our community. Up till now, our small group... Each of our small groups is going to be doing some service project. We recognize you're not all in a small group. Um, and so there'll be a, a church-wide project going on as well here. And you'll hear some more details about that at the end of the service. And then finally, uh, the last week, uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be talking really about the future of Windover Hills and what this looks like on ourselves. And we'll also be having an international potluck uh, that day too as we focus a little bit on Global Partners, which is our connection with the Wesleyan World Missions and what they're doing around the world, reaching new communities. And so we'll share with that three weeks from now. So that's our action plan. That's where we're going. I'm sorry, I missed one of the most important things. That very last week, we're going to be receiving an offering that's designed 100% to go straight to the causes that we've been talking about during Celebration of Hope. We won't keep any money uh, during this time for church purposes. Anything that you saw, printed material, all that we're, we're spending, we're taking care of ourselves. We want 100% of your offering to go to what we've been talking about over the course of Celebration of Hope. Last year, we raised about $1,300 in our Celebration of Hope, uh, our fund, and it was good. That was really good. But we're looking to double that this year because we're looking at uh, giving to more organizations and more causes. So 2600 is what we're, we're eyeing uh, on that, that time. So already right now, if there's something in your life where you can say, look, I can put away the coffee for the next three weeks and I can put that money in a can. I can put away the fast food for the next three weeks. I can put that money in a can and bring it that week. If the Lord just spurs something within you in your heart, 
you know, to say, hey, it's time for me to step up and, you know, give a significant check and, and do something, then you can do that. That's week. We'll talk more about the offering uh, for justice and compassion as we go along uh, this week. So I want to spend a moment uh, praying with you uh, this morning and uh, sealing this. And uh, if this morning, really the thing that's of most significance to you is that you're saying, um, I need, I really need to give this up and start a life with Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I need to be on this path knowing God, I matter to God. He loves me immensely, and I need to start this journey. Uh, you can begin that. You can say that prayer along with me as I go into prayer. And then would you let us know on the card that that's happened? And that way we can pray for you and connect with you. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I thank you uh, that you've called us as something greater than ourselves. And Lord, it's so easy at times to get focused on ourselves and what we're doing and what's happening in our lives. I got my job and my kids and my sports and, and my bills and whatever else I've got to take care of, Lord. And before we know it, if we're not careful, the, the my's and the eyes dominate my thinking. But Lord, there's a world out there that needs us. There's a world of people that live in daily fear, that daily need. And Lord, you said to us right here, we can do it. We can do it. And so would you challenge us in that way? Lord, I recognize this morning there might be somebody in here, Lord, that really what the thing they need to do this morning is understand how much they matter to you. If this morning that's you and you're ready to say, you know, I, I need to receive Jesus as my Savior. I need to start this journey with Christ. You can just quietly pray in your head the lines that I just say can follow after me. Lord, I realize I've been living my life without you. Lord, forgive me of my sins, my wrongdoings. Lord, come into my life and be the Lord of my life. Lord, I want to live with with you as my guide, with you as the one that leads me. I surrender to you today. If you prayed that prayer heartfelt this morning, then you're you're in. You're locked in with the Lord as the Lord of your life. And the Bible says he will never leave us and never forsake us. Go with that confidence. Lord, for the rest of us, Lord, I just pray you'd be challenging us in this area. How can I step out beyond myself? Lord, it may be as simple as helping a neighbor, but Lord, it may be as big as as starting a, a movement. But Lord, whatever you would have us do, may we be obedient and step forward and do it. We give it to you in your son's name. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you for, for coming and receiving that. I know for some of you over the course of the month, it could be a challenge in front of you, a challenge to be a part of, but I'm glad that uh, you're here to receive it. Let me share with you just a couple of announcements uh, before we finish off this morning. We've been talking about our next level classes that are coming up, and they're, they're coming up very soon. It's, it starts a week from this Thursday on April 8th. No, I'm sorry, this Thursday, April 19th. Ooh, I got to get prepared myself. April 19th. At 6 o'clock, we'll have a dinner at 6.45, the classes. I mean, this is a great opportunity for you to come and, and just to, to learn more, to be able to sit back and let somebody teach you a little bit in these areas. We have four classes, a journey through the Bible. If you feel like, I don't even really have a clue what the Bible is about start to finish, this is a class for you. Take the time to come and to learn. We have a class that's designed specifically uh, for women as well called Made to Crave. I mean, it's really to help women understand your, your dependability is on the Lord. And you can sign up for that. Men, there's a class for you called Born to Lead. All right? This is not a chauvinistic class, men. So don't sign up for the wrong things. This is about teaching us biblically how do you lead. 
What was your purpose? How did God create you? If in any way, men, you feel like you're failing somewhere in leadership, whether you feel like it's in marriage, in your home, in your business, this is a class for you. So sign up at the back for that class. Uh, and then um, uh, finally, we have a financial freedom class as well. If, if, uh, you'd be amazed how much the Bible talks about finances and money and healthy living in that way. And we're just so privileged to have Deb Rayner, who is who has been teaching this for so long here with us. So I really, uh, I think it's of great value for you to sign up for that as well. If you're saying, well, I'd like to take all four. Well, you can't this time. Just take one because <laughs> you want to go all three weeks. We'll have another series down the road. Make sure you get signed up. A question was asked to me this morning. You don't have to come to dinner to come for the class. Just come for the class if you'd like. Uh, that'll, be, that'll be fine. Our Saturday of service is April 28th. Mark that on your calendar. If you're in a small group and you're not sure what you're doing, just talk to your small group leader. Hopefully, they will know what they're doing. <laughs> if they're not, we're all in trouble. No, they're, they're, just talk to them. They, they can help you out on that. If you're not part of a small group, maybe you're new with us and you're like, I hear you talking about small groups. I don't really know what that's about. Um, please see us afterwards or write on your card, small group, and we'll connect with you right away and we'll tell you about the groups that are going on, ones that you can connect with, ones that may be close to your neighborhood as well. And then finally, I want to draw your attention again to our website, uh, which is wendoverhills.org. Um, we, we keep this updated pretty well, pretty current all the time, including the calendars page. So if you're ever wondering what's going on, when's it happening, what's the times, uh, all of it's on there. It's a, it's a big help. Plus, there's all the messages and you can listen to as well on there. So uh, use that as a good resource or share it on Facebook. Whatever you need to do, it's, uh, it's there for you. So sound good? Did I talk enough? So, guys, I'm just stalling for you guys. No? Okay. All right, why don't you stand with us? We'll sing one more, and our ushers will come and receive our morning tithes and offerings.